glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. All right, 1 John chapter 2, beginning verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye, so he's going to contrast the ones he's writing to with the ones that had gone out. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Now we take this in context. John was not saying that they, they knew everything from the sense they had nothing to learn. The idea is you have all you need. You've been given the knowledge. You know all things. You have all knowledge in your grasp. Got a question. What do we need to know that's beyond what the Bible tells us? By the way, we have an unction. They did, they did not have the completed written scripture, but they were being taught verbally the same things we're taught in the written word. Amen? They were, and they had, we have the same written word they did as regards to the Old Testament, the epistles that had been written. My point is this tonight. John says, uh, I'm not writing to you because I know something you don't. You've been saved. You were saved through the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of the Son of God. You've been told what you need to know. And there are others coming along, and you can see that again in the context of chapter 1 and 2. Chapter 2, verse 26, which we read every week, he says, uh, These things write I unto you, uh, these things are written unto you concerning them that seduce you. There were those coming along saying, What you know is not enough. We know things you don't know. And John's saying, No, you know all things. You know what you need to know. And so, what he says that is the heart of this text tonight is found in verse 20 when he says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One. How many of you have ever heard a preacher say, Lord, we need your unction tonight? It's not a word we use every day. The word unction simply means anointing. It'll be, it's the same word that's translated anointing in verse 27. It is, it is one who has been anointed. If you look at the strict definition, smeared or anointed with oil, and is undoubtedly a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. You have an unction. I, I mean, I'm not splitting hairs tonight. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, oftentimes you hear us preachers say, Lord, anoint us tonight afresh and anew. Give us your anointing. I read a quote today. said, we need to hunger after the anointing. Again, I'm not trying to be on. I know what's meant there. We need the special blessing of God. I understand that. But you understand that as a Christian, you don't have to pray for the anointing. You have it. I want to emphasize this tonight. I believe many times, how many of you, if I said, God has commanded you to live the Spirit-filled life, you'd think, boy, if only I could. If only I could. We often... We project or put forward the spirit-filled life or the anointed life as something that's this dark mystery. How do you get the filling of the spirit? And some good preachers have, have done us a little harm in this regard. Do you realize being filled with the spirit is a simple command of God? It's not a great mystery that's only available to a select few elite Christians. Spirit-filled people are supposed to be what all of us are supposed to be. And the idea of the anointing, we say, oh, give us your anointing afresh and anew. And again, I understand what they, I think what they're meaning, and because some are very well meaning, but the term sometimes confuses us. 
You don't need to pray. If you've been born again, you don't need to pray for the anointing. John didn't say pray for an unction. He said you have an unction. This is something that's yours. And I began to say I think we devalue what was given us when we got saved. And I think often we spend our life chasing something we've already got. I'm talking to sincere Christians tonight. If you don't want to live a victorious Christian life, then you need to be awakened spiritually. If if your goal is not to live a life that pleases God, then one of two things is wrong. You're either unsaved or you need your chilly heart warmed up by the Word of God. If you don't have a desire to live for Christ wholeheartedly, don't fool yourself into thinking you're a good Christian. You're either not saved or you need to have repentance and revival. That's true for any one of us. The heartbeat of the Christian is to please his or her master. And so then tonight, I'm speaking to those, this is Thursday night, we're going to make an assumption that, that the, the vast majority of folks sitting here tonight want to please the Lord. And oftentimes, I believe Satan gets us off course. I think there were some sincere Christians that John was writing to that some people had come along and acted like there was a, there was a, a Christianity that was not touchable to the average person. And John says, no, I'm not writing to you to exclude you from this fellowship with Jesus Christ, this nearness to God. I am writing to you to bring you in. I am writing to you to let you know you have what you need if you're born again. I'm not writing to tell you that you are missing what I have. I'm writing to tell you, you have what I have. This is John who leaned on the bosom of the Savior and said, who is he that betrayeth thee? John says, you can have the same nearness, it's yours. The Gnostic came along and says, oh no, the average person can't have that. You have to have high knowledge. You have to have a, a, a revelation that others don't. How I many you notice this in certain movements of our day? People say, well, I've got certain spiritual gifting that brings me nearer to God and I'm here to help you underlings. You know what I'm talking about? Now, there are other people who play it the other way and they want to you know, despise anyone who is further ahead spiritually than they are. There is levels of spiritual maturity, but John is saying this tonight. He's just talked about the spiritual maturity, but know this, if you're immature, you can always grow. And so the idea of nearness to God is something that he's saying, no, no, this is, this is yours. You have an unction. And so I want to give us three things tonight from this verse, and we're going to go into different portions of Scripture, about this unction we have. He didn't say you're going to get an unction. You had an unction. He says ye have an unction, an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. So again, three things tonight about this unction. Understanding, by the way, and for those of you who study your Bibles, you know this is true. Throughout Scripture, oil is a type of the Holy Spirit of God. Throughout Scripture, uh, He is typified by oil or by a dove, uh, sometimes by a flame or by wind. But here He's typified by oil and the anointing of God. And so... Uh, this is not great mystery. It's just uh, analogous, analogous to teach us about what we have. And so verse 20, but you have an unction. First of all, uh, the benefactor. Who is this unction from, this anointing? Uh, by the way, as I understand, that word unction comes from the same root Greek word where we get the name Christ. All right, so it's from the word chrisma. I don't normally give Greek words, but I think this will help us. Uh, it's from the word chrisma, C-H-R-I-S-M-A, uh, which means anointed. So Jesus, he is the Lord. Jesus, what's the next term? Christ. He is the anointed one 
who is the only one who... That's why he's called the Messiah. It's the Old Testament term for Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the one that God placed his approval on to save mankind. And in Christ, we are anointed with him. We have an unction from whom? The Holy One. Is that talking about from God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, or God the Son? Yes. Who who gave God the Son? God the Father. Who gave God the Holy Spirit? God the Son and God the Father. Who gives the Holy Spirit to the believer? Jesus promised him, but he said he comes from the Father. And he imparts himself to us, if you would. We have one Lord, one God. And so our unction comes from God. Now, I want to just give you a couple of things about our benefactor that's noted here. He says, but ye have an unction from thee. And who? what's he called? Holy One. The Holy One. One of the things that is always used with the... the term used to describe the third person of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. You remember what holy means. Holy, of course, in a general sense means set apart, but in this sense it's set apart through righteousness, through 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 his perfect character. So I want to point out that the benefactor, our benefactor who's anointed us, I want us to see his goodness. He's holy. First Peter 1.16 says, uh, let's, verses 13 through 16 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God, we must remember, his chief attribute is what? Holiness. Holiness. There is no sin in God. There is no deceit in God. God is perfectly and entirely righteous. The Bible says Jesus was separate from sinners, meaning he became sin for us, but he never sinned. Separate from sinners. God is holy. So we have to remember the one who's anointed us is holy. So the effect of him on our life will be Holiness. You find any teacher that the fruit of their doctrine is uncleanness and you found you a deceiver. Ye shall know them by their fruits. There's so much doctrine today that gives you permission to disobey God, to defile your conscience, to defile your life. That is false doctrine. Our unction came from the Holy One. The one who's never been touched by sin in the sense that he ever engaged in it. Remember, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. So our benefactor, the one who's anointed us upon salvation is holy. And remember that he which is holy has called his children to be holy. That's why I gave 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. It says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that has to be brought into the revelation of Jesus Christ. It said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Holy God begets holy children. Holiness. And so John's reminding them. He uses the term on purpose. You have an unction from the Holy One. Someone says something like this, and watch out for this. By the way, we believe in teaching about the Holy Spirit, but may I say the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to magnify himself? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. And so those who are constantly speaking of and preaching about and magnifying the person of the Holy Ghost are really not listening to him. 
We are told about Him and we must learn about Him, but if we're under the leadership of the Holy Ghost, we will seek for people to see Jesus Christ which is to the glory of God the Father. And so then, what I want to say is you hear people say, well, the Spirit of God told me. I've had this happen specifically in this ministry. So I said, well, the the Spirit led me to... I said, you know what, that's not what the Bible says. Well, I don't care. I know what He led me to do. (laughs) Look at the Holy Spirit of God is never going to contradict Himself, and He's the author of this book. And oftentimes, listen to me now, oftentimes when people say that, they'll say, well, I know the Bible says this, but I know the Spirit of God led me. What they're doing is justifying something that's sin. Uh, I remember a preacher from Alaska shared with me one time. He said, you won't believe this. You won't believe this. And I've probably told you this story before. So we had a lady come to our church. She started reading a book. And the book uh, got her emphasizing the Spirit's leading in her life. And she was so led of the Spirit that he led her to commit adultery on her husband. No, he didn't. That wasn't the Holy Spirit because he's holy. And adultery is unholy. But that's what she said. She blamed the Spirit of God for her sin. It's not right. So our benefactor is holy. We see, first of all, His goodness. Second of all, we see His grace. How do we get this unction? We'll say more about that in a moment. How do we get this anointing on our life? What can you do? You remember Simon in Acts chapter 8? He wanted the power of the Holy Spirit. How did he try to get it? Money. May I say this? There are some who are not as brazen as he to say, can I buy the Holy Spirit with money? But you realize there are people that try to buy the fruit of the Spirit with money? They try to pay their way through Christian living? Or you say, well, I would never think anybody would pay their way into heaven. No, nobody ever can. But sometimes you realize Simon wanted the gifting of the Holy Spirit and he thought he could get it with money. He thought he could get the benefit of the presence of the... So my point is this. The Spirit of God, this unction is not for sale. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Go to John chapter 7 and hold your finger there because I'm going to read it first off in our very next point. But John chapter 7, Jesus says this in John 7, 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now that sounds like he's offering something for free, doesn't it? He says, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Verse 38. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Verse 39 is in parentheses. It's an explanation of verse 38. But this he spake, this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And then in Luke chapter 13, excuse me, Luke chapter 11, And I can't help but believe that what this is speaking of is not so much the presence of the Spirit, but the the greater supply or the greater... Remember, we're told to be filled. Is it possible to have the Spirit of God, but He is suppressed or grieved or quenched so that we have Him present, but He does not have us completely, so we're not full? One of the ways to get filled with the Spirit is ask. Ask. If, you, if it's not a, a, a regular part of your Christian life and prayer life to ask to be filled, let me encourage you. Make that a prayer request. It's always good to pray for things that we're told to do. <laughs> Amen. God honors those requests. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And in that spirit and in that frame, Jesus says this in verse 9, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you, for everyone that asketh receiveth, 
And he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father, what's the next word? Give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. All I want to point to you is this unction is a gift from God upon faith in Jesus Christ. Whether it is initially receiving Christ as your Savior, or if you say, you know what, I desire to be filled. Remember Jesus, the Spirit of God was not given unto the Lord Jesus by, remember what it says next, measure. Meaning he was not given in a small amount. The Lord Jesus was filled from the onset. You and I have him by measure in the sense that we at times restrict him, and I believe this, you want more of the Holy Spirit's influence in your life? Ask. He's a gift. He's the gift from God. And so our benefactor, by this I mean, he says you have an unction from the Holy One. The fact that he's holy tells us of his goodness. The fact that we have an unction tells us of his grace. He is called the Spirit of grace. And he is given to us, and that brings us to our next point, upon a condition that's been given. So the benefactor, his goodness and his grace, number two, the bestowal of this unction. So the benefactor is the Holy One. The bestowal, we're going to have to look at some other verses. Now, how does a person obtain this anointing from God, this this um, being marked? An anointing in the Bible, as you well know, is God's uh, putting his uh, focus and his approval on someone. So when God would select a king, he would have him anointed so that it would say, I have chosen this one. This one is my king. Uh, and so whatever they were chosen for, prophets were anointed. Elijah had to uh, anoint Elisha to demonstrate heaven's touch on this person's life. That heaven had selected this person. And for us, we are selected unto salvation and anointed unto that by the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. How's that happen? Well, God's word makes it quite simple. Uh, if you would, go to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to see an order here. Ephesians chapter 1. There's a precondition, if you would, to this unction. And what is the precondition? Precondition. Some would say, well, if you've been selected, you'll be anointed. No, if you're anointed, you're selected. Right? And God says, John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them believe on his name. But Ephesians gets even a little clearer than that, if you can be. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12, he says, uh, verse 11 says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things, after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Look at verse 13. In whom ye also trusted. Now notice the order. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. God's Holy Spirit goes to great length here and great effort to give us in detail the order. You heard the word, the truth of the gospel, and then after you believed, you were sealed. We'll look back at that verse here in just a little bit, meaning you were anointed upon faith in Jesus Christ. It's exactly what Jesus had said in John chapter 7, that uh, he that believeth on him out of his belly would flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost, who should be given to those that what? Believe on him. 
You receive an unction by personal faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning this, when you put your personal trust in Jesus Christ, He places His Holy Spirit in your heart. That's the way it works. And the Holy Spirit of God is the regenerating person of salvation. When you trust Christ, He saves you by giving you His Holy Spirit. There's such a clear doctrine in the Bible. I don't know how folks get confused. I do. We, we veer off in these doctrines from Scripture. And the Bible says, He that believeth on him should not be ashamed. talks about in Titus chapter 3, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the... Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning, by our faith in Christ, it was that we exercised faith. You remember the miracles after miracle? The Lord Jesus would come and someone would say, express to Him their desire for healing. They would say, you remember the ones in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 9. He said, what would you that I should do unto you? He said, we may receive our sight. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And upon His word, they what? Immediately they received their sight. Those who were crippled immediately upon His word received their legs back. When you put your faith in Christ, immediately upon your faith in Him, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. You are regenerated by the Lord Jesus Christ giving you His Holy Spirit. So this bestowal of the unction, how do you get the anointing of the Spirit? It's preconditioned. You must believe on Christ. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Personal faith in Jesus Christ is the precondition because He's the giver of the Holy Spirit. It's precondition. Number two, it's personal. This this unction, uh, though we understand that Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit of God was poured out on those believers there, uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit is a personal matter. It is something between us and the Lord. Look, if you would, at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The Bible says in verse 21, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us, it's the same word as unction in 1 John 2, uh, as far as the underlying root word there, the Greek word, and hath anointed us is God. Verse 22, Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Is that not personal? The Holy Spirit of God dwells in the heart of the believer. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to kind of move along pretty quickly. I have a lot of verses I want to read. Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So when someone says, I received the Lord into my heart, in the most literal sense, that's true. Upon faith in Jesus Christ, though He is physically seated in heaven, he by the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the heart of those who put their trust in him. So the bestowal of this unction is preconditioned. It must be by faith. We receive uh, salvation, the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, by faith. Number two, it's personal. Number three, it's present. First John 2.20, he said, ye have an unction. And don't miss the simplicity of that. There are those who believe you get the Spirit and you lose him, and you get the Spirit and you lose him, and you get the Spirit and you lose him. That's nowhere taught in the Bible. In the Old Testament we see that, where the Spirit of God would come on someone and then depart, like King Saul. But nowhere does it ever tell us that Saul had the Spirit of God in his heart. The Spirit of God came on him, moved him, uh, took control over him. With us, he dwells within us. It is a present tense, meaning you have an unction, and I never see it really written any other way. We'll see in just a minute. It's not only present, it's permanent. This anointing is permanent. That's why the word sealed is used. You place a seal on someone to permanently mark them as your own. 
And we'll get into all those things in just a moment when we start looking at the blessing of this unction. The benefactor, the Holy One. The bestowal, preconditioned. It must be by faith. Uh, It's personal. It's present tense. Ye have an unction. John wrote that to all the believers he was writing to. He said, those who went out from you did not have this. Meaning, what, what brings us together is the same Spirit of God dwelling in us. May I say this? Someone who doesn't have the Spirit of God will not continue with those who have... Who does not have the Spirit of God? They won't continue with those who do. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amos 3 3. And by the way, I want to distinguish. We talk about they went out from us for they were not of us. I want to emphasize this again tonight. There are people who leave a church because they're backslidden and out of God's will. They still have the Holy Spirit of God, but they left because somewhere they disobeyed God and got out of sorts with God. So not every person that leaves a body of believers is an apostate. But may I say this? Apostates will not stay with God's people. Because they're not of us. We don't have the same Spirit of God in us. And so then, you have an unction. It's present. When you're saved, it's something that He is with you. And this anointing is something that is present tense. Not something past. It's not something future. It's something you have. And I think that's key to understand that. Number four, it's permanent. Look at 1 John 2.27. 1 John 2.27. But the anointing which ye have. There it is, present tense again. The anointing which ye have received. You received it time past. Of him abideth in you. It abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things. And is truth and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you. Ye shall abide in him. He says the anointing which you have received does what? Abideth in you. Meaning it stays. Hebrews 13.5 the Lord Jesus said. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When you've been sealed with the spirit of God. That's something that's done. It's final. This, I don't know of anything else that, that, that gives us the understanding of eternal salvation, eternal security of the believer, than this truth that we are sealed under the day of redemption. That day is being the day we get a new body. Last time I checked, I haven't got that yet. But I'm sealed until that day. The anointing which you have received abideth in you. Do you know why those that went out from them left? Because they had no anointing in them. It wasn't that the Spirit of God was in them and left them. It's that they had tasted the good things of God. They'd come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and had refused but played as though they were believers for a while like Judas Iscariot did. You know why Judas Iscariot left the twelve? Because he was not of them. Jesus said from the beginning, one of you has a devil. One of you, one of you is playing games. There, listen, there are people. I mean, I, I think of a man tonight. He told me that he was brought up in a, in a Baptist church. Now, it was not the kind of a Baptist church I would want to attend, but he at least had some exposure to truth. But today, he is a leader of Jehovah's Witnesses. I can say affirmatively, that man was not saved. He left God's people because he was not of God's people. You cannot deny that Jesus Christ raised the dead in the body of flesh and start teaching that and promoting that as one of God's own. The Holy Spirit of God will never teach you that. So John's saying there are people that they were among you as though they were of you, but they're not, but that's not you. You have an unction. You have an anointing from God and it abides in you and it's teaching you because God's presence is on you and God's, uh, God's, God's mark is upon you that you're His that's going to stay with you and the presence of the Spirit of God will teach you. So the benefactor, the Holy One, the bestowal of this unction, it must be by faith. It's personal, it's present, it's permanent. And then thirdly, the blessing of this unction. Do you realize how much the New Testament has to say about the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God? 
you realize that the emphasis in the Old Testament was on the ministry of God the Father. Now, God the Holy Spirit and God the Son, they've always been and always will be, but the emphasis in the Old Testament was on the Father, uh, laying down the laws and implementing those laws and working by His own power to raise up a nation and judge nations and all these things. And yet then, when the Lord Jesus Christ came and walked on this earth, the emphasis was on the ministry of the Son. But since the Lord Jesus Christ has left and poured out the Holy Spirit, the emphasis is on, on Him in the sense of what He's doing. Today, we're not seeing the Lord Jesus go about and do physical miracles by His physical presence. He gave us the Holy Spirit who lives in the life of the believer. That's why we say what God's doing today is doing to the local New Testament church. Because that's where the bodies of believers assemble and God raised up the church where, where saved people and dwelt people would be unified by the indwelling Spirit and do the work of God together. And so then, that's the work that's being done today. We have a blessing by having the anointing of God. When you got saved, God uh, set you apart as His own, and the ointment that He put on you is His Holy Spirit. That's what He anointed you with, is His own presence. And so then, here's a few of the blessings that we have by this unction from God, from the Holy One. Number one, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are established or settled into the family of God. It is His presence that settles us or establishes us as members of God's family. Uh, Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to fly through these so if you can follow along and read, that's fine. If not, maybe jot them down uh, so you can look at them when you have time. Romans 8, 15 and 16. He says, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So adoption makes us part of God's family. Verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are, not we're trying to be, not becoming, but we are the children of God. Uh, Listen now, assurance of salvation is a gift from God. It's not something, I want to say this now, I believe the Spirit of God's emphasized this in my own life this week. It is not something you can give yourself. You cannot give yourself assurance of salvation. You can rehearse your uh, the, the, the time you got saved all you want, but there will always be some hiccup if you're trying to assure yourself. Now, if the Spirit of God takes you back to that and says, this is what I said you must do, and this is what you did, I saved you upon your faith. That's different through the Word of God. But you and I cannot assure ourselves of salvation. The best we can do is console ourselves to lessen perhaps some doubt. But when the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit through the Scripture that we are the sons of God, you know what that is? That's assurance. When God assures you through His own Word that you're saved... And by the way, was Jesus, as He walked this earth, was He the only begotten Son of God? Is He the only begotten Son of God? What did, what did Satan challenge when he tempted him? Three times. If thou be the Son of God, you know what he's suggesting? You may not be. What did Jesus rest upon that he was and is the Son of God? So he's God, he knew it. But remember, he had limited himself to humanity. He could be tempted with bread and he could be tempted to doubt. He didn't, but he could have given in to that. He had the Word of God. Remember when he was baptized, what God the Father said? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Who assured God the Son that He was God the Son? God the Father. You know who assures you you're a child of God? God does through His Word. The only way to have assurance of salvation is through the Word of God. 
Not through your emotions, not through your... Look, there are experiences we have, but when the Spirit of God... That's why John's reminding them. He's going to tell them a number of things that are marks of a believer. But the first thing he says is, you have an unction. God has given you His Holy Spirit, and it is the Spirit of God that establishes us or settles us and settles it in our mind that we are truly children of God. That's the ministry of the Spirit of God to give you assurance of your salvation. Make no mistake, Satan will do everything he can in his power to rob you of that. If you're not sure you're a child of God, are you going to concern yourself with obeying your father? No, not really. Not as long as you're wondering. And so know this, it's the Spirit of God that establishes us. That's why it's important for the child of God to read their Bible. And you, you know what? It's why it's important for saved people to hear the gospel preached. It'll always trouble me a little bit when I'm preaching the gospel and Christians are yawning. We need to pay attention. We are the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You want power and assurance. You know what? You want know the greatest things to give you assurance of your salvation? Go tell somebody else how to be saved. You'll be amazed what that does for you in assuring your salvation. Some people doubt their salvation because it's been a long time since they told somebody how to be. And so you say, what's that have to do with the Holy Spirit? He establishes us. So it's important we stay in His Word, that we communicate with Him in prayer, and that we obey His promptings and leading. Second Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the word establisheth is used here. It's he who establishes us, settled us in the family of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verses 21 through 24. The Bible says, Now he which establisheth uh, us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts, Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that despair you came not as yet unto Corinth. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. By telling him what he's told him, he says, I'm, helpers, I'm a helper of your joy, for by faith ye stand. So we are established by this unction, number two, or letter B, we are sealed. It mentioned that in Second Corinthians where we just read. Sealed means marked as God's own for eternity. Uh, we read Ephesians 1.13 earlier, and I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 now. Ephesians 1.13 once again says this, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And then Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. We are established by the Spirit of God. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God. What sets us apart from the world? Him. Him. May I say this? The only way not to live a holy, godly life in this world is to ignore the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit is prompting you from within to do what is right, to be true, to be holy. And the only way to not turn out living a holy life is to ignore the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm talking if you're saved, because He's in you. He is there. He has indwelt us. We are sealed by Him. He's not leaving us. We are sanctified both positionally, meaning what sets us apart is we have God's Holy Spirit in us. But we are also sanctified practically by Him. Would any of you come up with the idea of doing right? The Holy Spirit of God wasn't in you teaching you. I wouldn't. Even the right things I do, I would do them for the wrong reason. 
I do not be seen of men or for men's applause. It's the Holy Spirit of God that cleans me up and leads me in the right way. Same with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. First Corinthians 6, in reference to keeping ourselves from fornication and unclean things. In verse 19, he says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so then we are established by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We are sanctioned by the Holy Spirit. Who gives us authority to go out and do the work of God? Holy Spirit of God. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power. And that's in the context of authority. Ability, yes, but also authority. He said that the the times, uh, if you look in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, the last word of verse 7 is power, that God has put the, the times and seasons in His own power but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. You know who has sanctioned us to take the gospel to every part of the earth? The Holy Spirit of God. And that's why when we're not, something in us says, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. And so then we are established by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We are sanctioned for work and power by the Holy Spirit. We are supplied by the Holy Spirit. Where does the grace, so for instance, the ability to, to do this service, where does, and so I understand sanctions do with authorization, but supply has to do with, with ability and, and the enablement through giving. The gifts of service are by the Holy Spirit. He gifts, he gifts with evangelists, pastor, teacher, giving, exhortation. He gives unique gifts to people. Why? That we may serve Him. Our supply comes from Him. Where does that strength come from? Which we'll talk about in just a moment. It comes from Him. Philippians chapter 1 verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, uh, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You see, because Christ is living, you're going to keep hearing me say this, because He's living, you have and I have, if you're saved, you have everything you need from Him to carry out the life He's called you to live. A life of godliness, a life of purity, a life of holiness, a life of courage, a life of faithfulness, a life of service, perhaps even a life, and at times it will be a life of suffering. Jesus Christ, by the way, what are we going through in this frame of life that He did not? He knows how to conquer what we're facing. And so what we need to do is just ask Him, and He, by the Holy Spirit, through His Word, will supply our need. That's what Philippians 4.19 is all about. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My connection to heaven is His indwelling Holy Spirit. He gifts us and enables us by the Spirit of God. So we are established by the Spirit. We are sealed by the Spirit. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This unction, you have an unction. You think it's important that we know we have uh, the anointing of God or we have the presence of the Holy Spirit? Yes, indeed. We are sanctioned. We are supplied by the Holy Spirit. We are strengthened by His Holy Spirit. Where does the strength to overcome temptation come from? 
the Holy Spirit. Now, this is where it's important. We're told two things in, by way of negative commandment regarding the Spirit of God. Quench not, grieve not. In Ephesians 4, we're told not to grieve Him. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're told not to quench Him. There's going to be times the Spirit of God, and you've got to listen closely to hear Him. He doesn't scream at you. The devil will scream at you when it comes to volume. And I'm not talking about physical volume. I'm talking about what is most clear in your senses. The Spirit of God will speak to you through His Word. He'll be repetitive. It'll always be true. You say, how can you tell it's the Holy Spirit of God? I can, it is always absolutely true. He doesn't leave you confused. He doesn't leave you wondering. He gives you the truth. Now, how do we quench the Spirit of God? By not having an ear for the truth. When I prefer flattery over reproof, I'll never hear the Spirit of God. When I, when I, uh, when I prefer uh, to be affirmed rather than be directed, I'll never hear the Spirit of God. Because He is a teacher and a guide, and yes, a comforter. But He's always going to tell me the truth. My point is this tonight. If you want the strength in the moment of temptation, then don't ignore Him in the moment when you're not being tempted. You and I cannot slough off the leadership of the Spirit of God through the Bible until the moment of temptation and say, Oh, I need help now. No, our strength comes from Him. We've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. Because He is our source of strength. It's by Him that we're strengthened. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul says, This is my prayer for you, Ephesians. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Now, in the next chapter, he'll tell them, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. The same text where he says, Neither give place to the devil, he says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. It's a couple verses prior. He says, Neither give place to the devil. And then in essence, what he's saying is, Make sure you give place to the Holy Spirit. You listen to the truth and make sure you reject the lies. And so we're established by the Spirit, sealed with the Spirit, sanctioned by Him, sanctified by Him, supplied with what we need by Him, strengthened by Him, and finally, last but not least, we are schooled by Him. He's our teacher. No one is a more effective teacher than the Holy Spirit of God. I'm convinced of this. God knows how my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is, is directing the Spirit of God according to the needs of my heart. You can read that in Romans chapter 8. Christ searches my heart. He prays according to the needs He knows I have. And then the Holy Spirit begins to deal with me according to my needs. He he intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you realize sometimes we're not praying things for ourselves, but the Spirit of God is? Because He knows what I need. You can read all about that in Romans chapter 8. And what happens is this. The Spirit of God says, this is what Nevin's lacking, and these are the circumstances that will bring that to his attention. How many of you could direct your life to school yourself in holiness and godliness? But boy, the Holy Spirit of God knows exactly what to do. Sometimes I can look back on five years of history in my life and say, Oh, oh, I would have never known. I would have never even known I had that problem, but this and this and this revealed something in me. This and this and this corrected it. All we got to do is be teachable. He is our teacher, our master. Let's look at a number of verses very quickly. First uh, John chapter 2. By the way, let me just say this, and it seems to be this is something that needs to be emphasized tonight. If I don't have a teachable spirit, I'm not going to cooperate very well with the Holy Spirit. 
You see, he's very sensitive. Is it possible to upset the Spirit of God? That's what it means to grieve him. How many of you have ever been having a conversation with someone, you're having a good conversation, and then you said something to them and they just get super quiet on you? Especially if it's your mate. Does silence speak? Oh, sometimes it speaks volumes. You know, sometimes I believe we can silence God's Holy Spirit. We grieve Him. We upset Him. We grieve Him at His heart, if you would. But my point is, because He's a teacher, then we need to be teachable. First John chapter 2, verse 20, But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Look at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now, he's not. We'll get into that later. He's not saying you never need any man to teach you anything. You've got to look at that in the whole context, meaning you don't need somebody to teach you something the Holy Spirit of God hasn't taught you. You know the way we would say this today? You don't need somebody to teach you something that's outside of what the Bible says. You don't need any man should teach you, but as the same anointing does what? Teacheth you of how many things? All things. Sometimes we act like... We as Christians, unless the world helps us, we won't know what to think about certain things. The, whole, the anointing teaches us of all things. So the anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. What portion of our lives that needs instruction does the Holy Spirit of God through his word not touch? Does he teach us about attitudes, thoughts? Words, actions, marriage, childhood, adolescence, teen years, adulthood, old age, money, lack of money. What does he not teach us about? What happens is sometimes what he teaches us we don't prefer, so we look for something else. Right? We may not like his teaching on the subject of money, so we search out some lost person to teach us about money. No, the anointing teaches us of all things. Meaning our Savior is all-sufficient. Is He not? All-sufficient as our teacher. And so then look at John chapter 14, verse 26. The Lord Jesus told His disciples this. John chapter 14, verse 26. I bring the message to you tonight in this way. I see in this time of Christian living often a hunger for something outside of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We often have a hunger for extra biblical instruction, meaning we know what the Bible says, but we think that there's somehow a mystery out there. And I mentioned this at the beginning of the message tonight, but I believe John was warning his, his, his believers, listen, you have an anointing, and he teacheth you of all things. You know all things. You have all that you need. First Corinthians says it this way. Uh, we have the mind of Christ. We have his mind. And we, need, we may need to delve more into it, but we have it in our, in our possession. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you, and here's these words again, all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. I was reading uh, the common commentator today uh, uh, on the scriptures and he says in John 14, the Lord Jesus is prophetically speaking of the writing of the Gospels. 
In John 15, he's prophetically speaking of the writing of the book of Acts, and I believe there's great credibility to this. And in John 16, he's going to speak of the writing of the epistles in the book of Revelation, that the Spirit of God was going to seal the instruction of Christ in the hearts and minds of his people. And so he did. John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27 says this, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. It's exactly the way the book of Acts begins out. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. He said the Holy Spirit bears witness, and you're going to bear witness, and I'm going to seal that record. John chapter 16 Verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So he's going to remind you of what's been said in the time past. He's going to enable you to witness of me in present, and he's going to tell you about things to come. Do we not have all of that in our Bibles? We have the record of his words while he walked this earth. We have the testimony of him and his apostles in the book of Acts. And we have the, the basic instruction of all things in the epistles. And then he tells us of things to come. And so we have by the book that the Spirit of God gave us and is indwelling within us, we have what we need. And so then, you know 2 Timothy 3.16, only too well, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 uh, tell us that no prophecy of the Scriptures of any private interpretation. The holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What I'm trying to say tonight is this. Many times we get, we get told that we're missing something. Even after you're saved and you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, some false teacher comes along and says, don't you wish you knew the mystery of the Christian life? Don't you wish you knew the seven-step secret to a happy Christian life? Listen, if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you. you got a Bible. You have His Word. By the way, He's in your heart. If you didn't have a Bible, I'm confident He would lead you. But every one of us do have a Bible. We have the message of the Spirit of God. The point is this tonight. Don't go looking somewhere else. You have an unction. Listen to the Spirit of God as He directs you through His Word. And the best thing a pastor or a teacher can do is open up the same book you have by the direction of the same spirit you have and simply be a voice of a second witness to say, this is what God says, right? And help us learn how to listen to the one that is with us already. Amen. I hope that's helpful to you tonight. Our benefactor, he's the Holy One, the bestowal. He is bestowed upon us upon our faith in Christ. Personal, it's present, it's permanent. The blessing, we're established by Him, we're sealed by Him, we're sanctified by Him, we're sanctioned by Him, we're supplied by Him, we're strengthened by Him, and we are schooled by Him. Do you think the Holy Spirit of God is important? you think His book is important? He's given us His words. He's preserved them for us. We need to be very mindful of Him. Don't let anyone or anything drag you away from your Bible. Amen? This is where He's spoken, what He's preserved for us. And then spend time with Him in prayer. Let Him teach you. I don't know of any better teacher. Amen. Mm-hmm.